It's game time. Spilling tea and talking sports. You're listening to the Game Day Tea Podcast with your host, my name, D. Gill. Hello, everyone. It's D. Gill here with another episode of the Game Day Tea. Thank you for lending your ears every single Tuesday that you listen to these podcasts. Uh, Before we get right into the meat of it, as always, Go to your favorite sports podcast host, which should be Spotify or Apple. Search out sports and the game day tea if you missed any of my past episodes. Shame on you, but glad you're listening to this one because you can catch up on everything that you missed. Uh, today, I, I first want to introduce myself. I'm D. Gill. I love doing this for you all. Uh, when I started this podcast, I first started off by just talking about sports, right? How many podcasts are there out there just talking about sports? A million probably by now, right? Overjudging a little bit, but you get the point. Um, so I translated transitioned that to getting people on that are part of the LGBTQ plus IA community and talking about sports, uh, the good things about their life, the bad things about their life, inclusion, uh, because that message needs to be out there and that message needs to be heard. And today is another example of me bringing on someone that is so, so, so inspirational, such a badass of what she does. Uh, I want everybody to to stand up on your feet if you're listening to this. Don't do it if you're driving, but give Ren Powell and warm welcome to the Game Day T podcast. Ren, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. You're um, welcome. Uh, so I'm super I excited to, to be here. Uh, yes, yes. I'm so excited to have you on this podcast. I wanted you to give our listeners a little bit of background about uh, you and your sports background. Let everybody know kind of like who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my name is Ren. I'm uh, 21 years old. I currently live in Burlington, Vermont. Um, currently, I am um, a competitive ski mountaineering racer. Uh, so I race ski mount. Um, if you, if any of you have heard of, uh, backcountry skiing, uh, or touring, it's, it's pretty similar. We have skins on the bottom of our skis. Uh, we have, you know, fixed race lengths. Uh, so it's just the same as a running race, but instead of running on, you know, a flat round or some rolling hills, we race up and down ski resorts. Uh, so it really combines the, um, you know, difficulty of, of running in terms of the cardiovascular with the challenging aspects of downhill racing. Um, so that's what I've been racing for, for the past number of years. I grew up as a, uh, as a competitive swimmer throughout my young childhood through early adolescence and through high school. Um, and then I unfortunately just was not really ready to, um, transition and, uh, to compete in NCAA. And so I took a few years away from competing at the national level and dabbled in some ultra marathon running, some ultra endurance cycling, some, you know, crazy little mountain adventures, just to really try to take a break from uh, governing bodies and rules and just find my passion and enjoyment for sports and recreation and athletics. And through a lot of really lucky connections and um, hard training, I've, I found a really loving and, and fun community in schema. That's amazing. How did you, how did you get into this? Was it like a little child, family members, friends? Was like, hey, let's try this. Or like, what was your inspiration to start? Um, so yeah, I got into to ultra running um, when I was sixteen. Um, I just I I spent a you know a decade of my life training to race for fifty seconds in the pool, and wow. um, so I wanted to get as far away as that <laughs> possible. And so the idea of 
going to a race where you are racing for 10 hours straight um, was crazy, but just seemed like such a antithesis to what I had been doing and something that was maybe just more rewarding. Um, so I did that for a number of years. And then when I moved to um, college at UVM here in Burlington, uh, we have a lot of snow in the winter and it's very cold. So you can't particularly run <laughs> as much in the mountains year round or on the trails because there's yeah. feet of snow. And so I, I looked at what the Europeans were doing and a lot of them raced and trained uh, schema in the winter. Mm. Uh, Francois de Hain and Alba de Festo were two people who I just had been following for years and that's what they did. And so I decided I would just buy a pair of, of skis and just do it for training. And then as I was looking for just some people to train with and some recommendations of what, what I should even be doing, mm -hmm. I got kind of recruited by the lo local race director who saw my Facebook page and was like, Hey, you've done some trail ultras and like, yeah you seem like you'd be interested in this. So he helped find me a carpool ride because I didn't have a car or any way to get around my first year and got me to my first race. And I did okay, but it was just, it was very challenging, but it was the same, you know, it's Saturday morning. It just snowed like a foot and a half the day before. There's 20 people standing outside in skin suits and dorky helmets and, <laughs> you know, all manner of you know, European exotic carbon fiber boots and skis. Uh -huh. um, and it's like 10 degrees outside and we're all going to go thrash ourselves around in the mountain for a couple hours. <laughs> and it was just, it was the same loving energy that ultra running was, but in a more, um, just a more uh, fast paced environment. You know, schema races are usually about 90 minutes. Um so it's fast and uh, and certainly quick, but it still had that goofy, esoteric, fun energy that I really loved from ultra running. Uh, that swimming certainly never had. It was a very serious sport. Everyone's there to do work. College scholarships are on the line. People are trying to make it to the Olympic trials. And right. not that I don't love competing, but just when the race, you know, when the meets were over and everyone is you know goes home by themselves and yeah. doesn't hang out, it just wasn't super fun compared to. Um, you know, we, after our schema races, we all wait for everyone to finish. And then we go eat overpriced burgers and pizza in the lodge and hang out and have a beer and, um, just get to spend time with your friends who you were just chasing <laughs> around for a couple hours. That sounds amazing. Uh, you mentioned the pizza and the beer and the overpriced mm -hmm. hamburgers. I'm pretty sure you like work that off calorie wise with your like your athletic abilities, mm -hmm. unlike me, but um, <laughs> I, I want to talk about what do you do outside or well, off the mountains that you do to stay in shape, like, uh, like a sleep, uh, mm -hmm. eating regimen, like what makes you the athlete that you are, are able to be now off the type of, uh, com competition or field? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm in my final year of my bachelor's of science in exercise science and physiology. Hey, um, I got, I'm exercise science too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Um, so I, I study, um, I study. I mean, that's really the answer. I read a lot. I really feel like, um, I mean, my biggest idol in, in trail running was in schema is killing Jeanne. Mm -hmm. Um, and he really, you know, he also got his bachelor's in, in exercise physiology and he always really prides himself of being a student of the sport. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's, you know, it's, it's one thing to, be a good athlete and to be able to perform what your coach tells you to do and to execute race plans and training plans. 
And I think it's an entirely another aspect to be able to write all of that for yourself and to be able to do it on your own. And I've had the fortunate luck of being able to work with some great coaches over the past couple of years to just make sure that I'm on the right path. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I really, um, I try to focus on um, sleep. I think that's the most priority, Uh, certainly for graduate, you know, undergraduate, graduate students, people in in academia, sleep is usually what goes. And so being able to sleep eight to nine hours a night really makes a huge difference to keep up with 15 to 20 hour training weeks. And then from there, it's a lot of gym work as well. Um, That was a huge foundation in my swimming. And I have continued that into schema. And I think it makes a huge difference, just especially when we're racing downhill, we can be hitting speeds of 45, 50, 55 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of forces on your body, especially if you're trying to come to a halt really quickly if something happens. Um, and so I really feel like it's a good insurance plan. It just, it gives you the ability to have some extra strength, um, and to just protect your body a little bit. I think strong, strong muscles are, are just a good foundation for life and they're a good foundation for racing. And so, yeah, I spend a lot of time in the gym to just, especially in the off season during the, during the season, it's not so much just because the focus is more on race specific things, but during the early or the late spring and the, and the early fall, I really try to make sure that I, I do a lot of gym work and then, yeah, I just, I read, I follow what I I look at what everyone else in the sport is doing. I mean, fortunately we're in a great age of where everyone publishes their training data on Strava and, and is usually pretty transparent. So you can really look and see what all the other people you're racing against are doing. And I try not to copy what they're doing, but take inspiration. If they're doing better than me, then clearly they're doing something that I'm not. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, I love that student of the game. Uh, it's, and I like that you mentioned gym work because, um, and especially in the United States, we naturally just do not like working out. Right. We're one of the, um, most obese nations, uh, in the world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, I tell people all the time, they say, Darius, what do you recommend? You want your exercise science major? How do I lose weight? Mm-hmm. Lift weights. Like, no, no, no. I don't want to do that. I was like, no, 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 you need to weight train. Like, mm-hmm. yes, diet, that's a huge part of it. But yeah. like, you, you're just getting on the treadmill, think you're doing 30 minutes on the treadmill, you think it's going to cut it. It's just like, I do a little bit of some, but if you add a little bit of weight training in there, it will go a long way. And um, so I appreciate a fellow exercise science uh, major uh, saying <laughs> yeah. that. So if you're listening to this, uh, get do, do some gym work if you if you really need it. Uh, we'll be right back with the game day tea. I really want to get into a uh, more personal aspect of your life, friend, and we'll uh, talk about that right at the break. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to the game day tea. I am your host, D. Gill, and I am talking to Ren, the badass skier and hiker and <laughs> swimmer and all around athlete. Welcome back to the game day tea. All right. So, Ren, you had mentioned before the break that you had to take take a break from training up due to some NCAA regulations. Uh, can you talk to me about that? Like, what was that time for you? What uh, What did you take the time away for? And uh, mm-hmm. how are you doing now with all that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I finished my last season of competitive swimming in the 2017-2018 winter. Uh, this was prior to prior to transitioning, and I was uh, I finished uh, top eight in the Virginia State Finals and was able to qualify and compete very well at junior nationals that year, um, and had some some good interest as a junior with another season to go from a number of top fifty NCAA programs, and 
at the time, there was no example of uh, someone transitioning successfully and compete or transitioning and then successfully competing. Um, the rules were a little bit less defined than they are now, just because there it was before there was just no one had done it. And I, unbeknownst to, to anyone else, because I didn't come out for another two years, just decided to quit and step away. I was too overwhelmed at the prospect of being the figurehead for a community. I mean, I, you know, I, who knows how strong of a swimmer I would have been after I transitioned, but based off of how much better training has been after transitioning, I think that I would have been very successful um, and following the um, past season where Leah Thomas competed in the NCAAs, um, I feel pretty confident that I would have uh, had the same kind of situation occur to me. And at the time, I just, I wasn't ready for that. I was, I was scared and I I didn't have anybody to, to follow. And so um, all these years later, watching Leah compete and win and, and overcome all of the, the obstacles that uh, people have tried to place in front of her has been hugely inspiring. Um, as a you know trans woman who dreamed, you know, my whole childhood, I dreamed of swimming NCAA, I dreamed of going to NCAAs, dreamed of going to the Olympic trials. Um, you know, all of those swimmers from the 2008, 2012, 2016 Olympic cycles, those were my heroes growing up. And so it was really, really emotional to be able to watch her have such a successful year and just you know, there were unfortunately a lot of detractors who had a lot of negative things to say, but at the end of the day, we as an NCAA champion and a lot of the swimming community stands behind her. And um, yeah, it was, it was really awesome to, to get to see her. And I, every once in a while, you know, wish that I had been able to be there as well. Um, but I'm really proud to be that um, for Schemo. I'm the only trans athlete competing at the national or international level that is uh, that anyone knows of. Um, so I've had the opportunity to um, just hopefully be a positive representation for the trans community and you know a, a mountain sport that is very white, very European, very cis, very male, and doesn't have a lot of representation of other groups. And so even though it's it's not swimming anymore for me and I've I've moved on to other passions, I still feel that it's really important for me to to be the, you know, the first trans athlete to do something because somebody has to do it to show that it's possible. Well, let me tell you, from me just like following you on Instagram and uh, seeing all the projects you're involved with and all the work that you do, you really represent the Schemo community well as a whole, and especially as a trans athlete. Um, it, it, it kind of breaks my heart hearing you say that, you know, you had to look on the sidelines that Leah Thomas go through all that because you didn't have the support. And that's why it's so important for us to tell these stories. You know, this is so important for people to hear your voice right now. Because all we hear is what? Leah Thomas, right? Leah, 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 Leah. But what we don't hear is that person in Vermont that's like their backstory of what they had to do to get to where they, they are right now. And uh, so if you're listening out there, if you, um, you can be gay, bi, straight, uh, well, 
not straight, but gay, bi, questionable, any anything in the community, you know, it's like if you're feeling held back because of your sexuality, take that step out there, um, reach out to someone. So you do have a support group. There are so many organizations. Uh, you can play uh, the Sports Equality Foundation. So many um, organizations out there that will have your support. Facebook. You know Instagram, and uh, you 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 can play, you can compete at the highest level, and there are other people out there just like you. Um, I I want to ask you, uh, speaking of like how the whole issue with Leah competing, what do you have to mm-hmm. say to people that think uh, trans uh, individuals should not be able to compete in uh sports? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a very hotly debated issue, uh, especially with the um just you know trans athletes finally start being able to have the opportunity to compete at the top level. Um, and I think the, the thing that I really have to say is that all of us are, um, we're athletes at heart. Um, we all want to compete. And the fact that we're trans has been, a, has been a roadblock to that for most of us. I mean, it's a, it's an incredibly difficult and laborious process. I think that's something that people often overlook just because it's not talked about. It's not shown because it's a very difficult and emotional and personal process that people, you know, I personally didn't want to share too much of. And so it, it seems to a lot of people that trans athletes, you know, they compete before they transition and then they disappear for a couple of years and then they come back and then they're competing at the top level. Mm -hmm. And what they don't see is that, um, especially for trans women taking testosterone blockers and estrogen, there's a huge drop off in, in performance in your ability to recover. And it takes a long time to adapt and come back from that. And so while there are trans athletes like Leah who have, who have come back from transitioning strong and competitive in the women's field, what they don't see are the months and months and months of losing muscle mass, losing training fitness, not being able to train at the high volume because your body is changing. And so I want people to know that we go through a lot. It's not that we just, you know, something changes one day and then you just, you know, you just instantly get to to compete in a different category, especially with the constantly increasing parameters for rule sets, mm-hmm. um, whether international or national, those guidelines are becoming stricter and in my opinion, too strict. Yeah. Um, but I think that people should know that, you know, we're here to compete. We love our sport and, all of us wish, at least in my opinion, that we didn't have to, um, you know, we didn't have to go through uh, transition to to compete. Um, because I, you know, I certainly wish that I had just been able to to compete in the women's field all along, and that I hadn't had to, you know, give up my swimming career or, or take time off from from competing in order to transition. I I just wish it had been like that all along. So yeah. I hope that yeah, people know that we we love our sport and. We want to just do the do the best we can, just like everyone else does. I I I love that message. You know, at the end of the day, I tell people we all we have different blood types, but we all bleed. You know, you cut me, yeah. we cut you in the same place. We we're gonna bleed, and there's no other superior anything out there. Race, sex, whatever you know, there's nothing. We're all you know, we're all human. At the end of the day, we should be all treated with respect and the same with dignity. You know, and um, I I love your story because there's the there's an attack on youth in our 
community, you know, the LGBTQ plus IA community. There's attack on youth. There's everywhere I look, it's like if Disney shows another couple kissing on an anime, or this like if they show this Leah Thomas one more time, it's just like, you know, I don't want my kids watching that. And it's just like, oh my goodness gracious. And what are the kids doing? We're hurting ourselves. We're, we're being more closeted, you know, we're, we're uh, self-doubt, right? you know, all this mm-hmm. stuff. And I want to talk about, Ren, what you did with the Trevor Project, because um, when I read it, it really touched my heart because I wish somebody, you know, I had somebody to look up to to do that when I tried to take my own life when I was a youth, you know, mm-hmm. when I was dealing with my own sexuality and everything that came around that. Um, you got up 6 a.m. in the morning, and did a uh, attempted a six minute hill in Richmond, Vermont. Uh, Thirteen hours of continuous writing, right? Uh, tell me about that. What a little bit more about that? Why you mm-hmm. did it, and why was it so important for you to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so first of all, for for people who don't know, so this was uh, it's a cycling um, challenge called Everesting. Um, so it's a, it's it's pretty simple. It's put on the by the Hell's Five Hundred Club from Australia. And you pick any hill that uh, you can find and you basically, you find a section and you ride the same section of road as many times as it takes to accumulate the height of Mount Everest from sea level. And so I picked a, a section of road uh, close to home on one of my favorite hills that I, I we you know, we ride for training. Um, you know, all my training partners, we get out, we you know, do intervals on it. It's uh, it's six minute hill. So the goal is always to try to go under six minutes. And I'm very close. My best time is 616. So oh, nice. hopefully next spring. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it ended up, um, it's, you know, it's one of the, one of the local training hills. And so I just picked that and figured it would be fun and ended up spending, yeah, about 14, 13, 14 hours of riding. And it was about 170 miles in total. Um, so Everesting has, has been a very, near and dear thing to my heart for a long time, uh, just because of its um, tie-in with, uh, you know, just raising money for charity. I mean, it's a very silly and selfish endeavor to you ask your friends and your loved ones. And my girlfriend was there and a a couple of my training partners to, you know, hand me water and and take care of me. But I've done a number of these throughout my a, my career, um, all for for the Trevor Project, to um, you know, try to try to raise money and awareness. I think that as athletes, our ability to make an impact um, is sometimes limited by our abilities. I'm good at climbing up hills. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a political figure, or a uh, I don't work in law or or anything like that. And so that's you know. My talent is being able to to be fit and and ride a bike for a really long time or ski pretty fast, yeah, and so yeah, and so it's important to me to try to to try to use that platform that I have as often as possible to do what I can for um, organizations that that make a really big difference. Um, and I think the Trevor Project and and uh, I also did one for the Transnational Equality um, Group as well a number of years ago. And it is really, it is really significant because those groups need funding and they need help and they provide really, really important resources to queer youth that are, yeah, constantly, um, you know, under attack and, and maybe don't feel like they have the resources that they need. And those resources were certainly helpful to me when I was coming out, um, especially like 
work, being able to, to work with Planned Parenthood and have that access in terms of accessing medical transition and was huge for me and being able to use resources on the Trevor Project or, or other online resources to look up what kind of clinics near me had informed consent and what it would mean to medically transition and where do I change my gender marker on my birth certificate? All of those things were, you know, those are things that anybody does really. And so it was, I, without those kinds of resources, I, I don't think I would have had a place to go or, or a starting point. And as someone who's now been, been out for almost three years, I really hope that, um, you know, as I start to feel like I'm on the, you know, starting to be on the other side of my journey a little bit, that I can hopefully turn around and try to give as much back to people who need it. And um, certainly, you know, kids that are, are in need of that right now. I love that. Uh, if, if you're listening to us talk right now, uh, give, donate to these organizations. Uh, just think about that time in your life, because we all had it. Uh, especially growing up, especially if you're, uh, you know, adult listening to this right now, where you needed that organization that you didn't have in your life, you know. And so, just think about that version of you and how you could help that version of someone that's going through it now, you know. Um, and I and I think Ren, you're doing an excellent job of that. And uh, I want you to uh, let us know if somebody says, "Hey, you know, we talked. To, yeah, I heard you talk about it, but I really want to learn more information about it. Pick your brain about it. Uh, how can I just you inspired me? Uh, how can somebody get in contact with you to uh, chat with you a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my Instagram is at ren dot like the bird. Um, that's the social media platform that I'm most yeah. <laughs> active on. Um, so yeah, I you know especially if anybody is looking to, you know, is, is queer and looking to race schema and needs advice on gear selection or where to race or how to get into it, um, or just is looking for people, other queer people who race at a top level in, in any sport, I'd, I'd love to offer any sort of help I can. I love that. I may take you up on that offer <laughs> myself because uh, I've never been skiing. Uh, the mm-hmm. most I've done is shoe skiing. I mean, shoe, uh, what do you call it? Shoe snowing. Mm, snowshoeing uh, snowshoeing there you go that's, yeah. see, that's how much i don't do winter sports um <laughs> i would like to i just i just grew up in the south and we just didn't mm-hmm. have that type of environment but uh yeah snowshoeing in oregon and i had a blast and yeah. I, I want to ski but i want to go with someone who knows what they're doing i want to like get some information before i go because uh you know i'm a therapist as my day job and mm-hmm. we always have college fractures this time of year mm-hmm. in the spring because people are out there skiing and they fall on the outstretched arm. For those of you who don't know what <laughs> the college, fish. Yes. The radio, you break the radio, <laughs> you're all numb, boom, snaps in half. Okay. That's mm-hmm. a college factor. All, always we get skiers with that. So that so my profession has scared me. Has scared mm-hmm. me to get out there. But um I think I'm I'm gonna try it. I, I'm gonna try it in 2023. Uh, okay we'll see what happens right now we'll look forward to seeing you out there (laughs) yes i will now if nothing else d gill's gonna take an instagram picture for the gram okay (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh i can be shallow at times anyways uh ren i really appreciate your time thank you so much uh thank you for sharing your message and i hope this really really resonates with someone out there and uh always I always say this to end my podcast, be true, be you, and be fierce. Thank you so much, Ren. Thanks for having me.